All right. This is the Conversation Cannabis and Christianity podcast. My name is Miguel Torres, and I'm your host, and our special guest is John Bailey. John is a multi-talented professional who has spent the last 15 years putting innovation and disruption at the forefront of everything he does. He is passionate about transforming businesses and individuals into their highest success. He also has an extensive background working with the most innovative consumer technology company in the cannabis industry. John has developed a unique perspective on growth strategy and content marketing product innovation and coaches individuals working to achieve their highest vision of success. And he does all this through the Mindset Genesis. And out of Las Vegas, Nevada, John Bailey, how you doing, man? Miguel, I'm doing good. Good morning. How are you? How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks, man. We were chatting about a little bit about parenthood before we hit record. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's, um, it's a commitment. It's a responsibility. But it keeps you alive. <clears throat> I love my kids. You know, they give they give purpose and meaning. Man, nothing makes I'm, I'm not. I, I shouldn't say nothing, but ma- parenting makes me introspective in in a way that you're just in a way that I had not understood until then. For sure, yeah, I would say yeah. You're you're. I think once you realize that they're constantly watching you. You know, they're going to mirror you. They're going to they're going to get everything from you, like even your your mannerisms, your attitude, <laughs> your, your, your your laughter, your personality. Like at that moment when you really are aware of that. Yeah, you're, it scares you to death. <laughs> it, you know what it is? It's terrifying. It's, it's terrifying and also really joyous. It it's, is. it's crazy. Like that's what's crazy about it, man. It's like I, I understand completely when you're just like, oh, my gosh, that's a lot of responsibility. And it's all mine right now. And, uh, and at the same time, a, a, a smile at the right time. And like, I love you, daddy, or I love you, mommy, whatever is like, man, yeah, it, it can reverse all that and make it just all melt. It's, it's wild. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. All right, man. So that was, uh, mindset Genesis, mindset Genesis. And, uh, so first of all, we met. I did, uh, uh, Kirk Robbins invited me to be a guest on the C3 podcast and, uh, you, you and Kurt and is Dina a regular on there too? Is it, is it usually yeah. Dina? Okay. So the three of you, Dina Putnam, and, uh, it was fun. It was really fun. And I really enjoyed the conversation. And that's why I thought of inviting you on to this one, because I, uh, I really liked the way we were talking before we hit record, when we hit record and after we hit record. So that's why I was really interested in, in inviting you on and, and uh, getting your perspective on, well, hearing about the mindset Genesis mm-hmm. and the mission that you have with that mm-hmm. and the mission that you have within the cannabis industry with it. And also, uh, you know, what, when we, then we get to talking about this life and stuff. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. The C3 broadcast is, I, I think it's evolved. It's gotten, it's gotten a little bit more fully rounded, you know, from where we started. Um, you know, we were doing everything from the Twitter spaces live and people were jumping in and joining in. And we realized that's kind of an interesting way to run a show because everybody gets to share their perspective in real time as we allow them. Because you can, you know, like turn speakers on and off. And, uh, you know, we did that for a while. We thought, you know what, <clears throat> let's go back to where we started. Because, you know, back in the day, uh, Kurt and I, we came from kind of working with the technical part of the cannabis industry. Like, you know, he's a technical writer um company i worked for we had one time um commissioned him to do some technical writing for us white paper type stuff and uh and then we just built a relationship from there and then i think the same mission aligned which was 
to help people to, uh, you know, change, uh, cultivate a different uh, mindset around cannabis, the plant, the medicine, and, and start to learn and understand as we're learning in real time, right? Like we don't know everything, you know, it's, it's very much still groundbreaking research most days, you know, I think. And, uh, but, you know, we keep our ear to the ground and we want to like facilitate in real time as much as we can to other people so that they don't have to um, get overwhelmed by it or get in, you know, get intimidated by the big vastness of how much information is being put out there. And they're not really knowing where to put their head in, you know, because there's some people that are also are not giving the most accurate information. So we have to, you know, like I said, it's not, it's not like we're the filter. It's not like we know everything, but I think that we've got, we came down this road pretty long. You know, we're, I'm seven, eight years, like deeper into the cannabis industry and like really uh, being involved <clears throat> and similar for him. So like we've heard, we've heard some, we've heard what I think makes sense and what things don't make sense quite, you know, at all. At all. So um, it was good on that show. We, we were glad to have you and thank you for extending it to, to your show. Yeah, it was fun, man. It was fun. That was a good time. You guys got a yeah. cool thing going, man. And it and it is it is a it is it's a weird thing when I think about it. Because okay, so Kurt was also on the podcast with me last year, last fall, I think. And yeah. uh, he asked me a question. He's like, "So, what do you think it's going to be? Is it going to be Cheech and Chong? Is it going to be something like really complex or and and that is and and I get that's what he's doing. It's like you're, you're taking." A stigma and and some stereotypes and saying there's some real benefit and value in this plant or else it wouldn't this many people would not be responding to it the way they do and and these things would not you wouldn't be seeing and hearing these things now and this is where the balance between getting that complex information to rub off some of that stigma and that stereotype that's 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 quite a mission and it's also quite a skill because it's not easy because some people some people are you you, you, you got you know you got to look at people it's like okay that's probably like the hardest person to try to help understand or educate and that would be your target right <laughs> i mean yeah it is it's really kind of like yeah we, i mean it's echo chamber if you just talk to the same people you've talked to you know all these years and, and they already know what you know and or whatever right and, and you know, or maybe they pop in or they come and join us and you know they, they learn a little something something you know here and there but yeah there's a lot of stigma around this and I, you know it's it's sad because at the same time like i really have nothing but fond memories when when it comes to cannabis and and and, and being with friends or or being in a social environment and uh enjoying the plant at that level right like there's yes the medical application and then there also is just the fun stuff and when you're young it's kind of a little bit more fun than it is therapeutic. Um, but maybe not. I don't know. Uh, it was a quality of life. It was, a you know, a, a environment of trusted people. I think that's what's probably very much unknown around the stigma is like most people that, you know, um, consume cannabis, smoke weed like together. We have a different level of trust than than most people. I think it's a tighter knit community versus your drinking buddies, you know, where where people act up and they get out of line and their demons come out, you know, like, you know, things are, alcohol is a different conveyance of a good time and uh, people don't know when to stop. And uh, I think that's not the same as cannabis. Somebody don't know why I stop at most, they're, you know, they're going to pass out in the corner and they're just going to be out. They're going to be out of the conversation. They're going to miss out, but it's not the same as like somebody that, you know, over drinks or over consumes something else and loses themselves in it. And I think that's the difference. And I think that people that are in the stigma, they don't understand that. They don't, they don't get it. They don't get the culture. They don't get like what it's about. You know, like I've been 
you know, I've been to, I've been to Jamaica. I've been to in the environment of where religion is packed around cannabis yeah. usage. And a lot of it. It's in the music, are, reggae. It's all in yeah, reggae, reggae and uh, you know Rastafari and uh, culture. And you know what I saw when I was there? Beautiful people helping each other out, like living in harmony, like not really, you know, homogeneous. Very just uh, about your brother and about your sister, and living in an environment on the island where they all thrive and survive and they look young and they look beautiful and they look happy. And you're like, well, that's interesting because <laughs> this is part of their culture and this is what they do. And, you know, and they're not like from the richest means and they make it happen and they look healthy, happy, and young. Then, you know, what are we doing? Like, you know, it's like, it's, it kind of like puts a different lens on things. And so I think, yeah, that stigma stuff, it's, that's who we're targeting. We're talking to the people that are at least in the question, not so much that they're still against it. Like, you know, it's, I think there's some people who just will never touch like that, you know? And then like people that want it, people that want to learn about it. And uh, <clears throat> in, in, a, in a real, in a real educational format, like, like you guys, you guys are doing video printing and audio and stuff. And yeah. Well, especially cool. if they have like a family member that maybe has been diagnosed with something recently, you know, and they're just looking for options or looking for something that they, it's one thing to like yeah i guess stigmatize that you know using cannabis like makes you lazy or you know e-bunch or you're goofy or you're not you know but but it it, it it if you looked at the side effects of cannabis versus like the side effects of a prescription pill for some of these like medical conditions you'd be like oh well i know the better choice right like and that's i gotta not, go explore that yeah, i learn more not, about that you know i can be all those i can be all those adjectives without cannabis too <laughs> easily right you can just <laughs> let yourself go and have a good time and enjoy life and and that would be you know base one um but there is actually a therapeutic and regenerative you know process that happens with cannabis and your body and that's what we're trying to untap right on man right on so mindset yeah. genesis what do you got going on with mindset genesis man yeah so uh i started the mindset genesis uh and uh the end of the late of um 2019 i uh, I've always been in business. I've always been a leader or somebody that people turn to for um, solving problems, uh, leading teams, you know, building success. And after realizing that I'm not like a career long, you know, hedge fund manager or uh, director of a company moving up, like, and I'm willing to spend 10, 20 years, like, just not, it's not my jam. I like to touch and feel a lot of different parts of business and a lot of different, like, like, like types of business, even, you know, like you got to like a cookie stand, like, let me, let me get in on that. I want to just see like what that's like, like, it, it's not. So, you know, going through that progression through my adult life, I got to a point where around 2018, um, I just kind of was spiraling, not really like, you know, terribly not knowing myself but being in a place where like I was just continue to being unhappy not really like do my passion work and stuff and I have a mentor that really stepped in and said hey I'd like you to go try this thing and so he uh pushed me into a kind of like a self-development program an EQ world and um that really shook me up that really got me to a place where I realized that in my life um I'm not really willing to work for anybody I'm not willing willing to make somebody else's dreams happen um, and their visions happen more than my own. And unfortunately, at some point, if you want to make that choice in life, you have to make some really serious change, you know, like get brave and get bold and lose, you know, leave the stability or keep going in it or whatever, but, you know, start to really understand your purpose and your vision and what you're going to do. And for me, it was, I, I kind of want to go back to helping people. You know, I'm, I'm a, 
I'm a, I'm a childhood uh, Eagle Scout. I've been at the, no you know, the biz, like, yeah, I've been you at the, the leadership Scout kind of like, that's yeah, a lot. That's a, that's a lot. That's, that's a and lot I was a young one too. Young and, age, yeah. and I was young when I, when I <clears> achieved <throat> that and I just kept going. And like the, the interesting part about the boy Scouts of America is people don't even know, like there's so many more things you can do if you excel at it. And I was in like, they have some like, or, you know, some higher level organization parts of it and, and, uh, and, and exploring, uh, when you turn 18, you get into like, if you want to continue to be involved in, they have what's called Explorer Scouts. And I remember like going, going with that, teaming up with like the BLM, the Bureau of Land Management in Nevada, and like really just continuing to do really weird stuff. Like, you know, just leadership type stuff of going out and, uh, solving other people's problems. And, um, so I think I've always been in that role and the oldest of three, you know, of, of all my siblings and, uh, probably have always had just a responsibility measure that's, um, you know, been a burden to me up until I could figure out what I really wanted to do. So the mindset Genesis is, uh, when I finally, uh, re- decided and, and found my vision, my passion, you know, I was coaching in the EQ world. I, like I went right into just coaching right from being a student in the room to then being like a coach and a staff and, and going through more of the deeper parts of, uh, like mastering the self and being in neutral with yourself and, uh, understanding relationships. And, you know, I learned all kinds of cool stuff. And I realized I was like, you know, I, I, it's not like I don't, I want to, not like I want to do these, like, you know, like, development workshops or, or things like that all, all the time. It's just like, but I want to start now incorporating that in what I do professionally in business. So um, when I created the company, it was really just at the moment, it was, um, I have a marketing background. I'm very creative. I'm very uh, much like love brand and growth and developing, you know, that, that voice for both the company and the customer and the audience and synergizing that. And what I found is that I do that better when I can just like be on my own and work on projects and bring in like creators and collaborators that I know that I've met through the years that um, like to like just hop on really exciting jobs. So it, the, the Mindset Genesis was a bar, both part a creative agency, which was working with brands or companies um, to, you know, uh, work on their content or their brand stuff, or maybe, you know, whatever we had to do with a small campaign or, or something like that, but just be more creative, more outside the box put higher budgets to it, like make it really shine, not kind of like the systematic things that sometimes companies get fall into. And then, um, so it's kind of like breaking what doesn't work and, you know, getting into something that does work, but it's uncomfortable and it pushes people to their limits. And then the other part of the mindset Genesis is my coaching. Um, you know, I, I, I work with people individually. So like, if I, if like, if I ever have a mission statement, it's to transform and reimagine any mindset that doesn't serve the overall success factors in business creativity and self-growth you know i i empower ownership and responsibility with people like if you want to be happy and we're going to make it happen but you're going to make it happen you're going to commit to it you're going to promise yourself that happiness is is attainable for you that abundance is real that you know growing learning and developing to unlock your like highest potentiality is is very much possible and i think people just stop at that impossible and they don't they don't understand like anything is possible right so yeah, I create like a world around the mindset genesis where like it's it's about abundance and transform you know transformation out of scarcity you know to focus on serving uh, more ambitious and um, you know um, closing the gap between like what doesn't work and what works in your life and so I can apply that same business to uh, you know the same model to business too like people get stuck in their heads they get stuck in their old ways they get stuck in these mechanisms and these cycles and they don't get outside the box. Why? Because they're, they're worried about the bottom line. They're worried about profit. They're worried about, you know, whatever, but it's like, sometimes you have to just break it to make more, not, 
you know, and, and, and because if we get into this business like right now, right, the market so unstable, right? And the housing market and, and uh, the Wall Street and crypto and everything that these people put all this money into and this time into, it's unstable. What's well, always been unstable. It's not, you know, it's, a, it's an evolving thing. And what goes up must come down. So once you kind of an illusion to think that, that this, like this piece of paper, this stock or this thing is going to be what it says it's going to be forever. Sure. Right? Yeah. Like, like, <clears throat> it's kind of like a, lesson. A we used to trade beads, <laughs> you know, like do a history lesson. We used to trade beads and linens, like, you know, like when spices, like that was currency. Now we're into a, you know, fiat mo- money kind of a mo- model. But if we, it, the only value it holds is the value we put into it, you know? Um, and that's, that's the thing that I think people, I think they assume that it comes with an asserted value and then, uh, you know, and that's what breaks the system, but, you know, not to get in the money, of the conversation It's just overall, all these paradigms that kind of help like make us stop, like, like put a boundary or put like obstacle between us. Um, I, you know, my, my number one effort is to like help people break through that. Just, we're going to, we're not going to let that be the thing that stops us, you know? Um, and that's, that's really what it's about. So that's cool because you can see it in people. I mean, I can see it in myself too. Sometimes throughout my life, looking back, it's like, you can see that there's some type of fear or some type of, usually it boils down to fear. You know what I mean? Yeah. Fear is the, that's the biggest one probably, right? Yeah, False yeah. evidence appearing real. That's what they say. That's the acronym I've heard for it too. Yeah. 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 That, and, and that's not an easy thing. That's your child. Yeah. You're helping somebody change from the inside out. So it's. Yeah. And so, and I, I've found that in a lot of that work, it's about um, mirroring and uh, projecting, you know, like for people. And I just turned, so it turns out I'm really good at mirroring people, you know, for people, like you know, allowing them to see what they need to see through me um, isn't the most comfortable thing, I would say. You know, I, I, I think in my younger years, what, what that skill looked like was um, I made people uncomfortable and uh, came across as arrogant or I came across as like something of an immovable object for people. But it's because like, and like later on in my life, I realized it was like, yeah, I can, I can do that better. <laughs> I can do better at that. Um, be more consciously aware so that I'm like emotionally intelligent and, and like I'm able to perceive how it makes people feel, but at the same time, not really hold back. And like, but more or less like these days, it's like about permission. Like if I have consent and we, you know, we give permission, then I think that people then are open to whatever comes up versus if we don't have permission and we don't have consent, then they're just going to feel and experience me as they, as they do raw. And uh, they're not really open to that kind of stuff. And so I, that's what I've done. I just kind of flipped that narrative and just said, okay, well, if I'm this kind of person for people, I let them see what, you know, doesn't work for them, whether it's, you know, uh, everything from, you know, I, I used to think that my, like, I, I've had some pretty good success in my younger life. What I realized when I was younger and in those success periods is like, I lost friends um, and people around me because they got, maybe they're intimidated or they're a little insecure. Or they didn't feel like they're on the level. Like, I didn't even know these things. Just like I'm me, I'm like, if I'm hanging out and I'm having a good time and being successful, I want everybody to jump, you know, join in with me. It's, it's kind of like, I mean, I grew up in the, you know, like the hip hop era. Like, you know, you think about like pop. You bring people about, with you. You bring people, you bring with, everybody with when, you. When, like it's, like, it's like that side, like the saying, when they say, uh, a rising tide lifts all boats, right? Yeah. Something yep. like that. And I get exactly. that. But you, but what, what's missing in that quote, right, is the understanding of like how other people perceive it and what they attach themselves to when they're in that moment. And 
it breaks relationships. It hurts people. And, and, uh, for a while, I just thought I was like, you know what, I'm better off, I guess, or whatever. And I didn't, then later on, I realized, it's like, no, it's just, they have something they need to work through. And, you know, maybe I can step in a little bit more and help them work through it. And we can talk about it and we can face it, you know, to just be honest about it. And so like, that's what a lot of this, this, the mindset genesis about, it's really like my company that's still evolving. It's still growing to what it needs to be. Um, I have a real job as well. Like, um, you know, I work for a tech company and, I do what I love, which is product management and um, marketing and, and uh, creating at a big scale. You know, they're a publicly traded company and we, and we do really cool stuff and we help small to medium sized businesses. So it's still in my facet of things of helping people or helping, you know, the the underdog, the, the smaller guys, you know, um, the big businesses need help, too. You know, but they're they're a different beast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's what it's all about, man. Right on. Right on. So. You said it was in 18 when you launched Mindset Genesis, right? 2008, uh, 2009, end of 2019, middle. I mean, I had to kind of still find my way. Um, the company I was working for, so just so you know, the consumer technology company reference for earlier, it's like, it's DaVinci Vaporizer. Um, and I know that if you under, uh, don't understand, like, I guess all the vaporizer type of options out there in the industry, you may, you may never have heard of DaVinci. I think it's becoming, they're becoming a little bit, they were like ahead of their time. Um, you know, the, the owner of DaVinci at the time, Courtney Smith, is uh, an innovator and pioneer of, of things. And I think it, there's many times back when I first joined the company that would look back and be like, are people going to want this this way? And that was early in the in- industry. If you think about it, like we didn't have nearly yeah. the amount of legal states we have now or people weren't even barely talking about it to advertise about it would be like, you know, we're talking about aromatherapy herbs and stuff like that, which we already knew about as well. There's there's definitely some scientific um, evidence to aromatherapy herbs having those same boiling points as we talk about with cannabis. Mm. But it wasn't it wasn't, you know, it wasn't landing with people. They were just like, we know what you're talking about. It's like, OK, but anyways, um, <laughs> working with that company, um, they actually uh, at the end of my tenure with them, actually, I just turned them into my, my, my first client. We had realized um, that it's not like my talent or my skill. It was more like just at a personality level. Like I needed, I I used to, I'm used to working remote. I'm used to being kind of on my own and autonomous on my own schedule. I'm much more successful that way. And after just, you know, four or five years of straight grind and being in an office and uh, being like that, like I just started to lose my light. And, um, you know, we came to terms that it was like, well, we still wanted to work together. Just maybe I get to work, you know, in my own capacity. And so, we, we made that arrangement and I still hold them as a client even right today. On, so. That's cool. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, 2019 um, is when I finally though, like kicked it off and, and went on my own and, you know, shed the insurance and the stability and all the things and <laughs> started charging forward. See, that is, that is a big deal, man. Like when you, like when you're talking about when you, when you're telling the story, when it's kind of like, you're like, yeah, I wanted to do that. And you made the step. Well, we kind of, we, we touched on it. It was like the fear of it. Right. It's kind of like, mm-hmm. that's a big deal. Cause all those things are come with it, all those things. And, and um, just talking with people, uh, those things are real. People care about that stuff. People, that's people want kids, man. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, and that's, and that's where, um, you know, just talking with, with, uh, I don't want, I'm not, so just that stuff is not matters and it matters in the cannabis industry as well. I can put yeah. it like that. It matters in the cannabis industry as well. I was going to go into a story about that and I will, might as well. So uh, I was talking with somebody outside of a, a place I work out next door to it is a dispensary and one of them comes out. And I was like, when are you guys going to collaborate? When are you guys going to do something? And uh, 
you know, for some reason, those two businesses just haven't done it. And then I guess they're not interested. And I said, oh, you may should go with this other option over here. And then uh, the person from the dispensary said, oh, I really like their stuff, but they, they don't treat their employees well. And then she went over this laundry list of all the way the of the differences between the, the way the employees were treated. And uh, in terms of this stuff that you're talking about, when you, when you, when you say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to step out of this realm of uh, hourly wage or salary wage and go do my thing. And you're, you're leaving all that stuff behind. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And like you said, especially when you have a family, it's an even bigger deal. And uh, it matters. And it's really cool to see people and talk with people who do it and also have a mind to help others and not just make a cheap or quick book. You know what I mean? It's like, you, you got, you're just like, yeah, I want it. And you, and you did it by, by recognizing something about yourself that you're going, okay, you know what? I got this thing and it ain't, it ain't going away. <laughs> it ain't going away, I, right. but something's got to change with it. <laughs> and I yeah. think a lot of people go through that. I think a lot of people go through that. Everybody does, I think. I believe everybody does, but whether or not we recognize it as something the way you did, that's that could be a big difference. Like recognizing it as something that needs to be cultivated, right? Something that needs yeah. to be like, like cared for. And uh, that's a cool story, man. It's a cool story. Yeah, you know, and, and it took it took a you know it took me, of course. It takes you like kind of finally realizing it or walking down that path and putting all the conversations you have in your head out in the open and like and sorting through which ones make sense and which ones don't. But I, but also the part of it was the you know the the program that you know my 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 good friend introduced me to it was like you know, I, I had, uh, essentially when you walk into that environment, it's, you have like 60 plus people that are going to mirror and show you what, like things about yourself and things about people that you're, you're like, you got to kind of be prepared for. It's a real big deal. I thought, you know, I thought when he first introduced because we were business mentor partner, I thought, Oh, I'm just going to go to another self-development weekend, uh, you know, work on my leadership. And, uh, no, that was not the that was not the case at all. It was a uh, it was a full on program, uh, hundred days. Uh, started with a couple weekends, and um, it was kind of like one. Of, it's a transform a transformational journey, and, and I don't want to mention the name or that's get cool. You that's all right. that because like people make up their own subjection, right? Like I know yeah. when I, when I first got introduced, um, he was like, "Do your homework," and I looked, and I was like, you know, I I see things like cult and psychotherapy <laughs> and all this other stuff, and you're like it's so interesting because I'm like, Oh, okay. That's interesting. Right. But I'm like, but I'm kind of like one of those, like, I don't say no to a lot of things in life. Right. So there's a lot of things you can introduce me to. And I'm like, yeah, let's go do that. You know, that sounds great. Um, whatever. And, uh, so I'm not really thankful. I've never been really been that guy at that level. And, um, yeah, but I'm like halfway through and I'm realizing that like in the EQ world, it's interesting because you focus a lot on like how people project their, insecurities or like the things that they're up against or like the things that they protect themselves around to make them comfortable, right? Like your belief systems are your comfort zone. Like really, if you think about it, like it's not, you know, and, and it's okay to have those boundaries, but it's not okay to be comfortable through from your belief systems, because that means that you've stopped, you've stopped kind of like challenging yourself. You've stopped growing in a sense. Yeah, what you're saying completely. Yeah, yeah what you're saying. Now we're getting to that second half of the conversation, John is, I'm, I'm, I'm now. Okay. You're leading the way. Keep going. Yeah. Go yeah. Yeah. But you know, but boundaries are fine. Boundaries are like where you kind of like you stake your claim and like how you're going to guide yourself in the, in the, in the journey. 
Um, and that's, that's, that's fine. But it was like, but what you meet first with people generally is their guards is their like, they're the, what they've built around themselves to protect themselves from being, um, you know, no subjection to being hurt or feeling or anything like that. Right. And so when you get into that environment, when you have 60 other people that are kind of going through the same process, all that stuff gets broken down. And I think that's where things change. So it's, it wasn't easy. Right. I would say to anybody that wants to really, they're really stuck. Like, can you really want to, like, you got to jump in, you got to walk over some hot coals to really feel what real it's going to be right? like yeah, to change. change you know, your mind and uh, start moving in the direction that's going to best benefit you and or, um, you know, your family or your friends or like who you're going to be in this world. There's like a a thing that you kind of agree to once you're really set it into the challenge of this whole workshop. Because like I said, it goes over like 100, 100 plus days. You get through those two weekends and you kind of make some promises. And one of the biggest promises you ever make is like, what is my stand for myself my family and my world, like my community or whoever I'm going to be in the world. And that's your promise, right? So if you choose words that are going to, you know, I stand for, you know, like, um, you know, abundance and, and love and, uh, but then you got to have to kind of like wake up every morning and like recognize that you're gonna have to remind yourself of that's who you're going to be every day. Cause that's not who you've been. So it's going to be very new, right. And you're going to fail a lot at it. Um, to get to that's why they so saw the 2018 to 2019 like that was that whole failing process of kind of still smashing the relationships and not you know um still still learning learning how that was really going to fit in my life and so yeah and then again so then go into that next fear bucket of well now i'm going to really change my life i'm going to really challenge myself and go to my you know what i'm what i what makes me happy on my day-to-day right we spend a lot of time at work a lot yeah. of hours in the work life. No, you're right. So you're absolutely right. You got to have to make it your own. Otherwise you're gonna be miserable, you know, all your life. So, and, and that's what I remember you said, you're like, yeah, I have, you wanted to, you wanted to, you wanted to experience and, and get your hands on a bunch of different businesses and not businesses, but just, just avenues of, of avenues of, of commerce avenues of, of, of entrepreneurship. <clears throat> and, and yeah. uh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool because you know, you I read an article a while ago and it said something like, and I, you know, I retired from the military. So it's like the, the article was basically the, the federal government, the United States federal government is the last bastion for pensions. And, and that is, and that is even, yeah. I mean, it, it's a strange thing. It's kind of like, uh, I'm a Gen Xer. So it's like coming from the baby boomer to the Gen Xer. It's kind of like, you're looking at these things and, and what the, the previous generation did and right now we're both on LinkedIn. We can see people, you know, it's no, people change jobs all the time. It's very common. And, and I think a lot of that has to do with people, some people getting, uh, seeing kind of like what you just described when you said your belief system, can, if you're comfortable in your belief system, you're not moving forward. And that, mm. and that is something and I'm not saying there's somebody, because obviously I did it. I retired from the military. I did it for two decades. So I've done it. I'm not putting anybody down. I'm just saying that that even along that, even along that two decades, I hit points where I was like, Yeah. Okay. Especially yeah. at that 10-year mark. I hit that 10-year mark, man, that midway mark. That was when I almost got out. And we were actually, we had plans because I was like, I was like, man, I could do this and I could do this really well. And mm-hmm. it's something that I really want to do. 
and for me it all it all it wasn't meant for me at that time it all dried yeah. up right there man right right beneath my feet it was crazy i'm not gonna tell the story right. right now but it yeah. all dried up and i ended up finishing a career in the united states coast guard and and it was cool it was good it was very good and then at the same time i can still come back and, and hear your story and go man i i still know what that fire feels like <laughs> i still know what that fire feels like and that's cool man that's very you're cool. young man like you can still do a lot more with the back half of your life right like i've met you know things that's only the middle it's the middle half it's the middle half <laughs> yeah and yeah, my father was my, my father was career long so i know this i know this story a little bit oh so so your dad was in the military mm-hmm. okay so you want to talk about that at all or no i mean, I, mean uh, I was gonna ask which branch and like like how army army you guys moved uh, around a lot then because army moves their folks around a lot yeah i moved around a lot yeah to the, a lot to the point where like obviously you know being in the military right the, you know you're probably away more than your home and maybe i don't know coast guard maybe is a little bit more coast stable, guard is a little bit different because it's, it's it was not <laughs> yeah army's you different know? yeah uh you know first of all so like i i didn't meet my father until like later on in life um anyways um he kind of like 18 high school like out and went to the military and and you know he did that and because my mom and him were you know they weren't really like together when they had me they were but you know they were kids and so yeah. like he moved on and um it wasn't like anything other than he was out doing the thing and like you know and he entered the military when like desert storm and gulf war and everything you know got you know was, was heating up so he saw tours and he was pretty much you know out gone it wasn't until he came back stateside and uh, you know where you guys started getting stationed every two years in a new location and then somehow ended up back in vegas uh for some mm. recruiting and uh my mom you know just kind of stumbled across this because my mom's in education she's a teacher and found his a flyer on a on okay. a school yeah. wall that was recruiting and she's like that name looks awfully familiar and then you know we kind of went that way because you know military seals records so like if you're really trying to find uh dad or mom at least at that time i think they're a little different now um i don't know what the policies different. are on those right now i know i get what but i, I understand it was back then at least yeah like pretty all sealed up identifiable information they got to protect yeah. that yeah yeah so uh so you know but not by any course other than that but <clears throat> once i met him and, and we gone through things you know he still was traveling a lot he still was like out and, you know and so i have a brother and sister on his side as well um <clears throat> And I met them when, when we were all young. And so, you know, we know each other. As a matter of fact, I have a brand new nephew a couple of days ago from my, Very my, cool. my congratulations, man. Yeah, Those relationships are real, man. Those relationships and, are serious. And we're building them right now, you know, because it was a lot mm-hmm. of years where we uh, just, you know, uh, he was doing his thing and, and we were doing best, the best that we could. But I'm just saying like in general, yeah, he moved around a lot. And then 9-11 happened and he definitely was involved because mm, my father was like pretty, you know, pretty uh, good ranking official and uh, worked with uh, setting up communications in Kabul, like when 9-11 happened and was part of that whole gateway to get into the Middle East. So, um, so yeah, we didn't see him a lot. Right. Um, and then even nowadays, you know, he's still, he's still working his ass off, you know, he's uh, got contract jobs and he still lives pretty much right next to the base, like in the uh, Southern tip of Arizona. And so, you know, it's, it's still far and few between, but like, when we talk about these belief systems, like I get it. I see it through my, my, you know, through my father, especially in the military, like you, that's your life. That's your, it's your crew. That's your brotherhood. That's your, you know, your, your, your stand, your purpose. It's a lot of things. It becomes identity. Choose, right? It becomes identity. Really. It becomes it, your identity. It becomes and, identity. Uh, 
and he wears it proudly. It's not like he, you know, he doesn't have a lot of the PTSD or anything like that. I mean, if anything, if it's anything that made him, it was kind of like just he's quiet <laughs> and somewhat unemotional sometimes, right? Like pretty, pretty closed off as far as that goes. Um, probably by just natural fruition of what his job was and, and who he was is, you know, who he's been in the military, you know, um, so I just, and I've had a lot of military friends or people around me, right? My uncle, uh, his brother's also military. Uh, my brother's military. My son is about to enlist in the military. Like, No kidding. Yeah. So uh, I'm probably the only one who didn't go, um, actually, probably of all men in my, in my family. But I got to ask you this, man, before, how do you feel about your son going in? You know, when he first brought it up, like around 16, you know, when the recruiters are definitely knocking at their door, yeah. getting them ready. Um, I was like. Um, I was like, absolutely not, right? Like, just no, absolutely not. You know, the it world almost made me feel like when I fire to say that, it almost be like saying, yeah, like, like the way they're seeing that is like, oh, if Dad says no, yeah, I'm definitely doing it, <laughs> and that's you know, that's when I'm just like, ah, man. Well, he took it seriously, and he actually didn't didn't pull that. You know, he graduated uh, the earlier last this year, and he didn't. Um, it wasn't on the table, and you know what? Mm. I thought about it. I thought about it. I remember, and and he struggled a little bit in these last couple of years. Virtual learning is just not his thing, and uh, it kind of tanked you, man. It kind of tanked him in his high school thing. He's a people person; like he's never really been. You know, I raised him like I was raised. He was outdoors all the time. He's like hanging out with friends. Like you know, like I was like, you're not going to be stuck on video game stuff, which is fine. I mean, I like video games. I like that stuff. But I'm just saying, like that's not going to be your life. You get a good taste of it, but how yeah. big that percent of their awake hours yeah. is another yeah. story. No, you have was, to control that. I was booting my boy out of the house, and yeah, we had you know, like you know, quiet hours and 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 all that stuff, right? And so like, and and I and I'm proud of that because at 18 years old, he's still outside mostly. You know, he doesn't watch TV. He's not into shows and stuff. He's just he's living his life and doing his thing. Right. But it wasn't in his card. So as he struggled through the last years and graduated, he did graduate. Right. on. That's he was good. looking down the barrel of like, you know, community college and kind of the slow road because he didn't get the grades that he needed for scholarships and things like that. And then after talking to another buddy that um, has been a business partner of mine in the past, um, he's like, look, man, like, you know, we were having dinner in Austin. On my, I was about to fly back to Vegas. And, and he was like. He's like, have you, you know, have you considered just letting him know that maybe he can just go, you know, go to the military and just knock out some few years and get some, you know, stack some cash, get some discipline, like, and and do something for his country. Cause he's like, I did it. He's like, I didn't go forever. He's like, I went for, you know, the first three and then two more. He's like, and then I went into the workforce and, you know, I'm project manager by trade. He makes really good money. He's like, you know, and he's like, and some of it, I feel also got me, you know, into my disciplines. And he's like, so maybe if that's what he's looking for. And I was like, you know what? But it was something I needed to own with my son first, which was the, the idea that I told him no when he was 16. And that was coming from my own like selfish like wants. It wasn't like it wasn't like I was afraid he was going to die in war and like that. Like, yeah, I get the purpose and the serve of the country. Like uh, if I could go back, I definitely couldn't tell you that I would do it the same way. I probably I would have joined the military. I totally believe in, you know, um, the honor. Uh, what. I didn't, why I was stopping him at that time wasn't because of any of that. It was actually just because of my relationship with my father and I was kind of being selfish. It was, I was thinking about me. Um, and, uh, you know, so I had to own that. So when we, when I finally sat down and talked with him uh, over the summer, I was like, look, man, I was really messed up. I, I shouldn't have pulled that off the table for you and made it like seem like this like thing. If you want to go do that and you want to pursue it, you know, go. Um, and like within a week, he was like, okay, I talked to a recruiter, this and that. I'm like, dude, he must have had that in his back pocket because he was, he was ready to roll. 
that's, that's funny and cool at the same time, man. So uh, yeah. So did he just leave, or is he about? Is he already? Not son? yet. He's like, he's still. Um, so I can't process. persuade him to go into the Coast Guard, then could I? <laughs> Dude, I, tr- I tried to persuade him in the Coast Guard because when I was looking, I did my, I took my ASVAB. I did, and my father's like, "Hey, take your ASVAB, whatever." So I did, right? And for me, I've always, if if I were to say that if I were to take a a, a split reality of what I would have wanted to become when I was 18 years old. Um, I was really enthused with the medical industry and I really wanted to be a doctor, you know, and I heard that the Coast Guard is like the best medical program of the military, you know, um, to be in. And when you guys was are that? more, you guys are more rescue and triage, like, oh, of, OK, of I get people on a daily, right? ba- like, on a daily, on a daily basis. basis. Yeah. Yes. On a daily Versus basis. Yes. Being a medic in the military, like, uh, you know, on that's not the same thing. Right. So um that's what I, you know and that was at that time maybe you know i i don't know what it could be like these days but we're talking 20 years ago so no but um wait, there there are differences so so because you kind of you kind of touched on it because it's like so you grew you, the military the army thing and and uh the differences between the branches the, the coast guard is different because it, it's not primarily a war fighting military branch not mm-hmm. primarily right it's primarily domestic it's, it's yeah. domestic and um most people know it for search and rescue and most people know it for doing boardings on boats and yeah. it does a lot of other things, but you're right from, from the, from it, it's unique because it's still a military branch, mm-hmm. but like I said, it's, it's, it's primary missions are not war fighting. Right. And, and there's a couple of entities that fall into that too. But um, that's one difference where, when, when you said, yeah, you do that. Cause that's one of the major differences in the services is that, the coast guard does this stuff every day and it's not like dod is doing stuff every day too not not right. you know what i mean i'm not not saying that they're not at all right but the practice of it i get what you're saying you're you're getting more you're getting more live repetitions mm-hmm. doing that and that's interesting man because when you with the stuff with cannabis is like you said like when you when when you're you're younger it may not be so therapeutic but maybe it was you just don't know right. and yet here you are still wanting to help people in in a medical sense still mm-hmm. with cannabis because medical cannabis is real it is real so, um it's pretty real <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's real in the sense that you know um my story is you know real quick is uh with health anyways is i uh out of high school you know i got i i, I was making good money um, enough to like not go to college right away because uh, I got recruited. You know, my business acumen has got me always like I get hired for something and they're like, no, no, we want you to be a manager. We want you to be in charge, right? Like it's like it's always been that way because I just like naturally progress into a leadership role. So even at 16 years old, my very first job was Pizza Hut. And by like 17, turning 18, they were like, we want to make you a manager, like your 18th birthday. Like we're going to start training you now. Like, you know, I mean, like 17 and a half, I'm already working like 30 to 40 hours a week and I'm still managing high school. And I was, you know, I was an honor, you know, I was an honor student. I had complex classes. So it was like, I was managing a lot. Um, and that's been my life. Like <laughs> I was managing a lot. And um, anyway, so uh, I went into pizza and so I worked for Pizza Hut. Pizza has an amazing, at least at the time, probably still do a uh, managerial type of path. Like we're talking hundreds of hours of like leadership training coaching training like all that stuff i I never foresaw that was gonna be the foundation of like you know i will always contribute to at least back then 1998 to 2000 pizza hut um 
gave me more training than almost any other job I've ever really been in um, out the gate, like out the gate. Like you had to complete massive amounts of training to get to the next level. Like to become a restaurant manager, you had like two classes of this high impact coaching classes and these leadership hundred hours in classroom. Like there were no joke of a serious brand that took that leadership thing seriously. And I think McDonald's does as well. And like Starbucks. there's a lot of them that take it seriously. Actually, there's yeah. a lot of them that take that stuff seriously because you have to, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, if, if you're, if you don't, it's like, yeah, it's like, if you don't, then it's kind of like, what kind of attention are you paying to the people that you're, you're paying to run the business? So that's cool to hear that, that one, you were that dedicated at that age. Cause at that age, I wasn't dedicated, man. I wasn't like that at 16 or 17. I like so, money. <laughs> what's that? I liked money and the <laughs> idea of moving out of home quickly, I guess. Um, that that definitely was an inspiration that probably pushed me forward. But anyways, my point is that I got into the food industry. So like from and, and, and the food industry in Vegas. So understand Vegas is a 24-7 town. So it's if I'm running a pizza this, restaurant yeah. at 21 years old and I'm getting out at two in the morning, where am I going? I'm not going home. I'm going to the bar. I'm going to you know, something where everybody's going because like this city doesn't sleep. And so I fell into working online. That's what people do. And I fell into that groove, no responsibilities, good money, good people around me. And kind of like the hookup. Cause like, once you have like, once you have something to offer other, you know, there's a hospitality town. So if I'm bringing pizzas to the bar after I got off work, then I'm probably drinking free for that first hour or two. That was that, that, that that's that culture back in the day. What doesn't work there is, drinking eating late not getting sleep and like doing that for five six seven years um that's not good and so <laughs> i definitely um worked my way into uh, a little bit of an overweight and unhealthy situation in my life and i'd say by 26 27 on 28 i was like at my highest and i had a best friend interrupt me and say look um he's my best friend since we've known each other since we're eight and he's like sat me down one time in his backyard and he's like uh Look, he's like, I want to grow old with, you know, you're my, you're my boy. He's like, the last thing I want you to do is be struggling when we're older. And he was like, he was kind of like on a righteous moment, but it made sense. Like he would, you know, I mean, but he was working on himself already. He'd already been in like two years of doing like yoga and eating clean and all this stuff. So he was kind of coming from a righteous place, but he interrupted me because he's my best friend. It wasn't like somebody else judging me. He was like, Hey, you're like, we should be still playing ball, like around 55, 60 years old with our kids. Like what are you doing? And I was like, okay. So when I made the choice to become healthier, right. Um, that was very difficult. That was very difficult to change patterns like that, to eat, eat better, be more active, uh, with purpose, with goals. And I would say that the number one catalyst to get me through that process was cannabis, you know, taking a couple couple hits uh, out of the bowl before I walk into a gym where I feel like I'm going to be judged where I'm going to be how all, all eyes on me. Like everybody's going to look at me and be like, you're the weakest person in the gym or look at this, you know, look at this big guy trying to run on the treadmill or, you know, sweating my ass off or whatever. Like all that stuff's in your head when you're, when you're trying to make change. Um, and I just remember that getting through that, getting through some crazy diets, right. I did like a 30 day juice reboot. And the only thing I know that got me through that juice was the fact that it tastes really good after, you know, after a little bit of weed. And so, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's like, you did I, that I for 30 days, literally. Yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah. You've ever seen the documentary fat, dead and nearly sick on Netflix. No, I haven't. Um, well, it originally launched on Netflix, but it's like a guy that, um, yeah, he was an Australian guy and he had, um, 
decided he was getting overweight and he had some heart issues that were coming up and all that stuff. And he, instead of, instead of like starting to, you know, restrain certain foods or low sugar or whatever, he just went on a full on, like, let's read, let's reboot the gut and did a 30 day juice cleanse. Now I'm gonna tell you all the recommendations in that documentary are accurate. Like take some time off from work. Don't be around people like, because around like week two to three, you're a very angry, hungry person that doesn't, you know, it, it, it was rough, like liquids for a whole month. Yeah, like, that's hard. <laughs> and some of those ones where I'd be like, I, you know, and I had like a cool juicer, but like cleaning that juicer like three, four times a day, all that it was like a pain. You know? So at some point I just got to like, I just throw everything in a blender and it would just be pulpy and gross. And, uh, you know, again, like I said, like a little bit of cannabis and then do that and uh, you could get through it. And so I'm just saying like, that's part of the journey, but at the same time, learning about, so later on, as I, as I, I dropped weight. So I'm telling you, I was almost 300 pounds. Okay. In that first six months I dropped, you know, you drop pretty quickly, half, half of what you try to like, if you're, if I wanted to get down to 200 from 300, 50 is going to be fast. Right? It's going to be water weight. It's going to be, it's going to melt off. It's all the, sh- the stuff your body just retained to try to like stay healthy. Right. That last 50 is the grind. Like that's, that was the grind. Right. And, um, I would say I went beyond, beyond that, By I started that journey, like 2011 by 2013, I was down to 174. Wow. My lowest. Yeah. I had been since like high school and, um, I didn't like the way I looked because I have a pretty broad frame and kind of big head. And I'm like, you know, that's like, "Mm, I'm not really a 174 ish guy. I'm going to work back up to like a, you know, 200, 195, 205 kind of guy. Um, Cause I like, I like being big, but gave me the opportunity to re- rebalance that. Well, lose all that weight. That's one thing. The next thing is now to push back uphill of gaining muscle, not gaining fat, staying active and fit. And um, that came with the other parts, right? Like you start lifting, you get sore. You start, you know, you start like working out more, you get, you, you know, your recovery is more, yeah. now becoming more important. And what better thing than cannabis, like uh, anti-inflammatory, anagelic, like all the properties of cannabis at that level are really where I started to understand that there's a medical application to this. And then, and so like, yeah, it became a regimen at that point. It wasn't like wake and bake because I wanted to wake and bake. It was like a couple hits because I woke up and my, like my legs were dead sore and needed something to alleviate the pain and kind of like push through, but it wasn't just pain relieving it. There was something else going on. And I think that's where like foundationally this all started to break for me. Cause I was like, there's something more happening here, right? It's not just cause I don't have to do anything else. I don't have to do creams and rubs and all this stuff. I literally could yeah. just do cannabis and, and keep my diet healthy and right amount of protein and water. And I was feeling better than I'd ever felt in my life. <clears throat> And then, um, that's very cool. I just kept challenging that, you know, and I've done, I've explored everything from topicals to edibles and, and like understanding it. And so I think that's, we hear a lot at the closing statements. Like if, if anybody listens to the C3 podcast, when Kurt's like, Hey, do you have any closing statements, JB? I'm like, yeah, uh, learn yourself, like, you know, journal, like really start to understand what's working for you. That's where you're going to find the gold. Cause it's not, like I said, it's, it's, it's all good and fun to wake up on a Saturday morning and decide that that's what you're going to be. Your day is going to be like, and start it off that way. Sure. 
the intent, right? Remember, we were talking about this. You know, intent. you just remind me of that. We were talking about the intent on that one episode that we did too, and and uh, that is the difference. So I, I, you know, before I, before I go into my 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 exercise and stuff like that, and what I use, because I use I use cannabis for exercise too. It, yep. it, it it's good. I like I like it. But I want to ask you this real quick, man, because I'm curious. Curious, because uh, I I grew up wrestling, and and I also did some a couple bodybuilding shows and took last it sucked <laughs> but my my question is this man i found for me i found that picking a weight a number an lb a kilo whatever did not work for me and it wasn't until i realized that that was like it doesn't like that number i could be that number but not look the way i want to look and and that it was kind of like i could i could do those things. I don't know. It just, I was just curious if you still go by number or not, man. Cause as, as over the time, because, because now it, it's like function and feel and it translates into whatever it translates into. And, and, and some of it, and I think when we're, when we're, when we're teen, I think just period it, it, throughout our entire lives. There, we want to, uh, you know what? I'm not going to get in. You know, you know, I will. I'll finish it up. I'll finish it up. All right, man. I didn't want to digress too much, but I almost feel like I'm going to digress too much here, man. Sure. Yeah. You know, uh, inse- you brought it up insecurity throughout life and, and fitness is a way, like when you're talking about getting on that treadmill and like, yeah, you know what? Those were the thoughts that were going through my head and very well, you can say that there's a pie across a, a percentage of the people in there that think we're thinking that and meant it right and then there's other things that where it's kind of like you know those insecurities they don't have to be there and that's what that's what we're really getting at and that's where you're getting at with this whole conversation and what you're doing with mindset genesis and and how cannabis helped you get there cannabis helped you get to the point where it's kind of like you know what the way i'm thinking about these things maybe it's not right yeah and then it's kind of like then if we peel it back even later, it's kind of like, well, what are you believing about? What are you believing that's causing you to think these things? You know what I'm saying? And and with that, my friend, I want to ask you the next question here. Okay, go for it. Life in the universe, universe and all life in it. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's the result of a series of accidents or do you think there's an intelligent designer back there? <laughs> uh-huh. I know, we're going to get into it, man, but we both, I know you're busy and and. and and where we have these time constraints, so I'm trying to work them into it, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, but this is a good one too. Um, I know. And remember, I, hey, hey, man, a lot of people I talk to, we're all trying to figure it out. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I would say uh, this one is something I I've been pretty close to for a large part of my life. Um, always being in the question of what it really all means um and and its purpose you know in in the in the theory of like the universe itself uh, it's complex it could be as as large as vast as as you want to make it um so for me it's like if i were to fathom the idea that i could understand this pure size of the universe um it would be very naive of me it would be like that's that's beyond what I could wrap my head around because there's so many um, 
variables. There's so many, just there's so many conditions that don't, that make that very controversial in my head for me. Um, it also could be as small as what we experience when we look under a microscope and see, you know, or like we're magnifying to the nth degree and we're seeing an atom being split. It's, it's difficult because there's a universe with the trapped within universes that are around us every day. Like a cell is somewhat of a universe. If you think about it, like there's not the, the vastness of it is only about perception. If you were to place yourself at a subatomic level within the cell, it would be your universe. And it's difficult to think of it that way because that's how insignificant we are to the universe itself. So I believe it is, I probably lean more that it's the chaos, that it's a, it's a very, very large series of, uh, of random events that are in a progression of expansion. And I would say that, you know, because like the, the what I can't ignore is my scientific side is knowing about, um, you know, how energy works and how, um, you know, uh, cells interact and molecules and like kind of just like that whole building blocks and foundational part of life. It's difficult, like it, because that's not, to me, it's not as, as theoretic. It exists. I can see it. It's been proven. There's people still exploring it and splitting atoms to this day. So there's that. Then there's the other part of that that says that, but that in which is intended for me to see and discover is presented as it needs to be. And so like, it could be all that it's still part of a intricate design of things only for us to um, rationalize and understand so that we don't go far off the beaten path and get into the depths of what that could be at a, at a different level. Right. So it's, it, it's like that. And, um, you know, I come from the psychedelic community. I've seen some things and uh, experienced some things, but I'm also in the work of the mindset. And I know the ego has an interesting way of presenting things that it wants me to believe. And it wants me to think and rationalize and accept and validate. And so to separate oneself from that mind, um, I think that I, in my, my age now and where I'm headed in my life, I'm, I'm a Buddhist faith, by the way. Uh, practicing Buddhist faith. And then I probably at most of my naturalistic way, I lean in the pagan side. I love paganism. I love kind of keeping it back to earth and um, more of a stronger idea of that the elements and the things around me are what really exist. And I can keep it as simple as that. But in Buddhist faith, you know, the path to suffering, the path to enlightenment is about letting go is about to, is to, is to fully just kind of um, accept all things as they are. And, uh, you know, um, and, and when you finally do reach enlightenment, it's because you've, you've, it, it's the afterlife. It's like the nothingness of it all. It's, it's this very neutral place that not, none of this other stuff exists, right and wrong, rationalization or anything like that. It's that, that's peace in the Buddhist. So, so, cause that's right where I was going with the next question, man. Sounds like yeah. you, you you're leaning towards you believe in a life after this life, and it sounds like it's flavored very much by Buddhism. Yeah, yeah. Um, what what's not clearly defined in that life after death is, is yeah. I mean, and I'm 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 not yeah. and I'm not saying like like man, I don't know what it looks like either. I even you know I'm not I'm not claiming any of that. I'm just saying yeah. whether or not you even believe it or not. That's you know that's yeah. So not the mechanics of it, you know. 
and that's not i think that would be we we'd we'd be i don't know man when when sometimes when people talk about the mechanics of of uh something that seems to be so difficult that so many people are trying to figure out i can't claim to know all that stuff so that's not what i'm getting at i'm not trying to ask you about the mechanics at all man i'm just no, just yeah. belief yeah. yeah just the belief it's like that's kind of what i was picking up it was like yeah i think you cuz it sounds like the energy thing you said you can't deny it. It's like I can't deny the energy thing. And Buddhism is a lot about energy. It's it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, man. There really is no God in Buddhism. It's it's the energy. Your your energy will will depart from your mortal frame right now mm-hmm. and move into a space of what you just described as peace. I said, is that what you said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the separation of your like your spiritual being versus your conscious, your awakened being. Like right now, we're consciously awake. Right, we are self aware. And we believe we exist and, you know, you can poke yourself and you can go walk out in front of a car and see how that happens. And you're a part of physical world. That's, that's where you are, but your mind is much more complex than that. And for me, I think that it's all part of the experience and the journey. And I don't think that it has one ground. So yeah, you know, it's about reincarnation. It's about a lot of different things. I also believe in some of the astro type of uh, mentalities about star seeds and, understanding like where we are in the metaphysical world so yeah like yeah i can go outside the box with this stuff and like for me it's like if you thought about the random events of things if that was the if i could tell people if you think about two molecules like smashing together and and then you put multiple together and it's like in a pot of boiling water and that's a lot of molecules moving and bouncing off each other at the same time um slow that down and then consider what your life is like it's just a molecule smashing into another molecule in that time and frame in existence. And that doesn't mean that it couldn't happen again in a different frame and time and existence. And it just happens over and over and over again. We are only perceptive of the time in which we are experiencing, but time around us is boundless and it doesn't make sense to consider. I, I, I find myself sometimes walking down the street and I know that I consciously always do this. When I see an ant, I always go, and what day is it for you, Mr. Ant? <laughs> Because I know your perception of time <laughs> is way different than our perception of time, right? So, like, because it couldn't possibly, because there's just such, there's so, there's so much smaller by magnet, by magnification. There's so much smaller than we are, and we're only aware of what we are aware of in our place right now in time. And little things will perceive time differently. Bigger things can perceive time differently. Things in the ocean are going to perceive times things differently. Like, so it's just in, and, and then what is really the, 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 the dial, the sun, the moon, like light and day, you know, there's like a lot of stuff to kind of like consider. And so, yeah, it, it's, if I spent my life trying to rationalize that conversation, I don't think I'm living life, you know, that's, you know, it's a funny thing, man. It's a funny yeah. thing. It can get real deep and real narrow, but then all of a sudden, like when you pull yourself up out of that hole, you're just kind of like, Oh, I think I missed out on a lot of stuff going on up here too. It's, you, it's, exactly right. And then you're right. also fearing the what you call it, which is the end coming before you find the answer. And that's, that's the fear of death rather than the welcome death. Cause death is inevitable. Um, we fear it because we've not figured out the answer yet. And that's ego stuff. So you know, a lot of the, a lot of what comes back to it is your conscious awakening kind of like thought process around how do you live your life? What makes you happy? 
what gives you purpose every day to wake up and do the thing you do and, um, and go from there. Uh, it's, it's a slippery slope. It's a mind. I dig it. Process. Man, I dig it. I dig it. You did that. I like the way you got your finger on it too, man. It's, it's cool. It's cool. Yeah. Uh, thank you. It's, um, it feels terrifying. I know we're both parents. Well, sometimes, <laughs> well yeah, there's that, right? Like you like, can never exactly. Then there's that. Then that, you put all right? that other stuff on top and it's just kind of like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and that's why but I'm like, there's I'm also definitely... the dangerous part of like getting to a place where when you think about all those things, then you get, you almost kind of talk yourself into them. Then what's the point? Yeah. And that's where people get people really, can. really yeah. dark. And that, and that's, that's where, and this is where, this is where I find it really inspiring talking to someone like you, John Bailey, because here you are, you've done these things, you've recognized things about yourself and you're like, you know what? I still want to help people. I don't want to use this thing. I don't want to use my skills and abilities to make people feel uncomfortable, make people feel weird or, or, or give off a perception that is not helpful more often than not. You know what I mean? And you're like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta take care of my abilities. I have these abilities and I need, I need to hone them. I need to train them. Really. And you know what I mean? That's lifelong learning. That's lifelong learning, man. And how, what that looks like for everybody is going to be different. Like you're doing it with business. I'm doing it differently, right? We're all doing it differently. We're all doing it on the path that we're on, but the direction is to help people with the things that we have in our hands. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah, there's that. And I think that you just never stop learning, you know, um, you know, when I, when we talk about this stuff, like faith and existence, like I'm a, I'm a born and raised Catholic, right. I, I know. That's the next question. Perfect. I know Go ahead. Born I know and raised religion. Catholic. No kidding. I was, okay. and, and then even like when I was young, my mom, if it's anything she did, she stuffed books in front of me. So I had books about like other world religions. I have a coffee table book about other world religions. I've learned about the Quran. I've learned about, um, I, I had friends that were Mormon growing up because I, I was an Eagle Scout. Like, so a lot of my friends were like, so I'd go to like church on Sunday with them in a Mormon church. I've been to a Baptist church. I've, I've heard the gospel. I've drank the wine and I've ate the cracker. Like I totally, I totally understand the substruct of religion. I do. And I, and, and what baffles me is what always used to baffle me in Catholic faith. And that's the one thing that I was really like, kind of like up against was like, thou shalt no have no God before me being God, thou shalt have no God other than the God that in which you are, you know, in faith with, which is, you know, in Catholic religion is God and Jesus. And, and, and when I was like, wow, that's so limiting <laughs> because like at the time I'm learning about Egyptian culture, I'm learning about, you know, the Mesopotamia like movement, I'm learning about Asian cultures and dynasties. And I was just like, that makes no sense to me right now because there's so many other ways that it's been interpreted i'm like oh okay well now i have to look at these things as amazing stories they're amazing stories i think it's i think the bible and, and and most bibles are are like very great interpretations of the journey and if if that's all i can say about religion like without getting into your question that's where i well, land on question. it were you raised with it were you raised were you raised with a belief system or a religion or philosophy and so you were born and raised catholic no that's perfect yeah. man and then i'm latin so it was definitely like you know midnight mass and sundays mexicano, and, you mexicano for sure for sure are you are you uh what generation on mom and dad's side what do you mean uh so i'm third generation u.s on my dad's side oh uh, i'm first generation on my mom? mom's side and were you what on your mom's side huh 
You would on your mom's side first. So I'd be, okay. my mom was born in Chihuahua, Mexico. And okay. every, every sibling or every cousin or every grandmother or aunt or anybody I have in my life is either already still in Juarez or throughout the Sierras of, of Mexico, or like there may be like right over the border in El Paso or um, LA, you know, and stuff like that uh, on my mom's side, on my dad's side. No, that's um, no, it's much, uh, it's much more further than that. Probably like fourth or so yeah okay um and there's more like spaniard background um so but yeah so and i think we're all kind of actually spaniard even from mexico because most of that is a, a migration um a mixture of all that and the and the indigenous people that I were mean, here I did the, too. I did the 23 and me and for some reason i got some middle eastern in me and all kinds of stuff and <laughs> Well, that's interesting. Um, but I feel it. I did actually, what's interesting about this, like when I saw it, I was like, I'm not surprised um, because I, I gravitated towards a lot of those cultures for some reason um, from a spiritual sense. Anyway, so that's why being in that container of Catholic Catholicism, um, I don't know. I just, I, what I learned through that was almost like a sense of discipline, you know, going to, church every sunday having scriptures kneel stand kneel stand songs a lot of rituals yeah there are a lot it's, of rituals and a lot of rituals mm-hmm. and honestly like even to this day i don't fault anybody for having religion in their life because i think that if you have something have religion right if you, have, if you need something to remind you of great things that you can do or how to interact with people or to honor yourself or your family like I think it's great, great foundational backgrounds. I think when people villainize it is when we're not in a good place, right? Or your religion's better than my religion yeah. or things like mean, that. Yeah. yeah. The comparison of it all is like really where that's in why, because they fear challenging their own belief system because they're comfortable in it. And it'll and always be a part of this world. It will never be cured in this world. You know what I mean, man? It'll never be, oh, that problem's solved. We don't have to worry about that anymore. It'll it'll be, and, and that's what's crazy about it. And, and I attribute that to the world being fallen. That's the way I, I would attribute to, these are all effects of a fallen, fallen world. Mm-hmm. All right, man. So born and raised Catholic. Yeah. You've you you've told them so we already went over so the next the following question was was uh was basically how have you changed since then? So you already answered that one. But this next one I am curious about. I am definitely curious about mm-hmm. uh life after this life. Do you believe yeah. that there's a life after this life? And if you do, do you believe there's some form of payment due upon death? Hmm. Um Life is subjective. Life after death. I do believe that there's life after death. Only, but it's. It, I don't think it's the way that people maybe interpret life. I see the, life as. Go ahead. Yeah, I remember you said you you, you kind of talked about the energy from the Buddhism, but I'm not sure if it's if it's. You know what I'm saying? I got an idea. You know what I mean? But I do like. I, okay, God, I interrupted you, John. I apologize. Go ahead. I mean, I it, because I think that. So I believe in I believe in reincarnation. I believe in multiple lives. I believe that you can energetically um, die in this world and come back in this world. I do. I do. It's, I think is because it's because of the physical constraints. I think that um, it exists that way. Right. That's what I think. Um, I do believe 
that if I continue to think that way, and there's a subconscious, a spiritual version of myself, and I, and I try not to master this very much because I, I do believe in neutral and, well, you know, it's all nothing and everything at the same time. Um, <laughs> it's really interesting. No, that's interesting, man. That's interesting. Cause that's go ahead, man. Go ahead. Yeah. So um, I do believe, however, that you could be freed from the attachment of a physical body. Should your spiritual, your spiritual embodiment be all do like satisfied and i don't mean like satisfied as if like you know like a personal satisfaction i mean like you've satisfied your purpose and so that purpose being completion the, some form of completion in the world or you know a huge impact in, in in this thing that we are that we do as humans like i believe that everyone has a purpose and if you don't meet that purpose that you might sometimes given a second chance third chance, fourth chance, you know, to, um, serve that purpose. And so, so that's about the extent of where I go for like, that there's life after death that, um, actually to be honest, my, my actual most times is that death is when life begins. Right on, right on, man. So what about a payment due upon death, man? You think there's any form of payment? I think that that's the part of the purpose. I think that if you've, um, you know, I, I think religion puts in a nice little package of, you know, not committing sin or living by certain virtues that will grant you um, permission to enter the gates um, or not. <laughs> I believe that I believe because that's so consistent across all religions in some form. I agree. I agree with is, you completely, man. That it is accurate. That it, there is a, there is a, there is a weight in which your spiritual body holds that um, is part of the release. Um, what I think, what I think is that if you're continuously coming back um, and you haven't been fully released, that you actually are in your own personal hell. You're your your spirit your spiritual has been attached to the physical world and you've not been allowed the permission to be free something effective you haven't learned the lessons you haven't you haven't fulfilled the purpose you haven't learned the lessons to fulfill your purpose so therefore you're going back again kind of mm -hmm. over and over and over again you know what man i when you said I, I, when I look at all the religions out there, it seems like they're 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 there's like and I'm not I'm I'm somewhere I'm these are not these are my words so, not yours but yeah 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 <laughs> it's escaped me at the moment <laughs> but it's basically an internal scorecard right mm -hmm. it's like an internal scorecard it's kind of like did you do more good deeds and bad deeds and did you earn your way into heaven and I can certainly understand why. Christianity, broad brush stroke, has that perception as well, because a number of denominations have made it so. And that's what's, and this is what's different. This is what this is. I'm just going to give you my, my, my perspective on it, because I get what you're saying completely, man. And this is where, this is where my understanding of who Jesus is was wrong from what I had been taught. Mm -hmm. And and when it comes to Jesus, he's saying nobody gets in. Nobody can earn their way in. It's impossible. 
so he made a way by by taking on by fulfilling the commandments himself on on behalf of human beings he fulfilled the commandments himself so therefore just like the old covenant there was a blood sacrifice his blood satisfied the judicial requirement for fallen mankind and the entry is if you believe it or not there's no working in it and the believing translates into thinking and doing and that's where it's that's where that's where the transformation process is and that's where christ is different from every other spiritual or religious character or figure that's ever been written or written about or existed and but that difference in him was not something uh it, it gets it's people try to teach it and this is the this is the this is the problem that i have with a lot of churches this is, this is a problem that i have with a lot of uh messages from the pope in a lot of churches is that they mix the old covenant in with the new yeah. and 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 the old covenant is performance just like yeah. you said when you when you said these religions it's like you're, you're trying to earn your way into some type of better afterlife mm-hmm. the old covenant was given to israel to show that they couldn't do it yeah at the foot of mount zion or the foot of uh, mount sinai they said without knowing what the requirements were <laughs> said, yeah all that you say we can do we'll do it yeah and it's impossible and and yeah. that's that's what the, that was the purpose of it yet i understand why i had the same perspective too it's like if i can't meet christ look i got jesus over here saying here's my list of requirements sure and then i got satan over here saying you can't meet him i got you <laughs> you're all mine <laughs> you're, you're welcome here <laughs> right so i was like i was like to hell with the both of you. I can't satisfy either one of you. Right. When you put it like that, right? When it's kind of like, and that's where it's kind of like, man, well, screw that scenario, period. But then there's evil. But I mean, I think just, about, so for a second, just kind of like, think about though that the, the devil, right? And hell. Go ahead, yeah. The interpretation of the fallen angel is more or less the same thing that you're saying, which is that the requirements were in non-existent. So this dark angel of death is a fallen angel from the heavens in his own exile from not meeting the requirements. Now, see the thing that now this is, this is okay. So now when I understood what it was, this is when, when it comes down to it, Lucifer was you, 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 you're born and raised Catholic. So I'm right. I'm going to rap with you like this. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Is that cool? (laughs) You know, Lucifer was one of the archangels. Uh And he wanted to become God. Yeah. With yeah, his own... in line, essentially. And he said, well, I don't know if he's in line or not. I'm not sure. I'm not no. sure what you're talking. So I, either way, but my point is, is, is that it was the self-righteousness of it, self-righteousness of it. Sure. And, and that is where, that is where, um, That's where everything rubs up against it. It's kind of like if if we think we can earn our way, this is and we're just rapping here, man. I'm not. We're not not arguing. You know, you, you believe. No, you're working through it. it. Yeah. And this is this is, but this is when I was when I was rubbing up against like the performance, like these different religions. It's like, can you really perform your way in? Right. I don't know. It, it, it's that that was a stark difference because that was what made me go away from Christianity was the fact that it was it was taught as you have to perform, you have to perform to come in, right? Yeah. And then you realize that it's actually not that at all. 
-hmm. And and the requirement is this, and he knows we're going to screw it up to love one another. Yeah, and which is messy in itself. Oh no, joke! That's exactly <laughs> it, man. It ain't clean, man. To it ain't each other is all, you and, know. And and that's how that's how I came to. That's part of how I came to. That's a little bit of how I came to be where I'm at, man. And yeah. uh, Catholicism. I'm, I mean, we're both of Mexican descent. You know, Catholicism has a big footprint in Latin America. They've 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 done a lot of things to help people. And then they also do some things, they teach some things that also put people into kind of like wrong believing. Yeah. I'll just leave it at that. There's some yeah. wrong believing. Yeah. And it's cool to see and meet and talk with people like you that, that have come in and out and, and are still, still have a heart to help people, man. Still have a heart to help people. Yeah. Well, cause I, I, I don't know. if you, if you come to the awareness of it all, you realize that we're all, we're all in the same, we're in the same fight. We're all in the same, you know, journey, just at different stages. And you know, what good does it serve me to disregard helping a brother or sister in that process? Um, if I if I surrounded it with a lot of constraints and a lot of things that um, not really served me well, right? To be open, to be pure and loving is to be accepting of all forms of it. And I think it's when you start to embrace the messy of what it is to uphold relationships or be in relationships, then you, you think less of it. You don't, you know, it's like, then it's not the forefront of all these defining factors of how you manage your relationships. You become more open. And then at that time you give yourself permission as well to forgive yourself. People don't forgive themselves. And when they don't forgive themselves, they don't forgive other people. You know, you have to really forgive yourself first. And yeah. be capable of that to then be able to forgive other people because we are our own worst enemy. So a lot so of now time, we're getting it. Yeah, man. See, this is this forgiveness is a huge topic. Yeah. I mean, that's big. I mean, you're talking about like you, you said others, but then there's the one, one. What about the fingers that are we pointing at ourselves? Right. Yeah. yeah the, the, the box we put ourselves into and the lens that we put on ourselves and how much we make ourselves wrong and feel a certain way about because then we we project that to others right because mm -hmm. it's, it's a, it becomes that it becomes who we are it becomes a part of who we are yeah and and, and it almost an automation you start thinking about it at some point you just become reactive that's actually it's a lot of my my um the mindset you know my coaching or whatever it's it's really the the biggest distinction i can make for people is to sit back and make a different uh, like a defining idea or a distinction between what is reaction and what is response and that's it like if you can get there if you can get to the idea of like what are you reacting to versus what you respond to then you'll understand like everything that you get to work on and then everything that actually works because you know eight times out of ten we're all reacting we're coming from past experience we don't live in the present we are always like that quick, those, those Twitch movements, they're, they're not, they're not well thought out. They're, they're muscle memory. It's Twitch, it's Twitch actions. It's not, you know what I mean? But if you think about the best fighters in the world, they're more on the defensive. They're more calculated in the counterattack than they are into the forward progression. You can get through pro forward. You can definitely be aggressive. You could be, you know. Who is it? Nate Diaz? Yeah, I was about to ask you. I, mean, I know you're in Las Vegas, and that fight was just yeah. this past weekend. So I was curious if you watched. Be aggressive, it, but it, it has a there's a window 
of that aggression, right? Eventually you'll meet your match. Eventually you'll meet somebody that's going to sit back and watch you make all the mistakes, all the wrong moves, and then come back with the ones that make sense, the, the, the heavy hitting ones, the ones that make impact. And so I just think that, you know, and I've, I experienced this in business, obviously there's people that just charge uphill, <laughs> you know, like no, no care in the world of anybody. They just keep going. And then eventually, right. Like it's, it's, it's about the eventuality of things. It's, it's sure you made it for a while, but eventually it'll catch up because it's not sustainable. What's sustainable is learning how to respond to everything that we, you know, that everything happens around us. It may be the, the slower route, but you'll live a more fulfilled life. You'll be more fruitful and you'll make more impact with people around you instead of waking up one day, realizing that you've pushed everybody away or, or created an environment of people around you that only support your toxic behaviors and your habits and not people that hold you up and uh, challenge you and push you to be uncomfortable. Like, it's pretty serious. I think so. If those oh, are the right. debts, it, it impacts it impacts lives, it impacts families, and it impacts generations. It has that potential, man. It really does because we're talking about human interaction. Like, yeah. how do you treat people? Yeah, and and it, it 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 certainly does, man. It certainly does. I got a buddy, you know, right now he's on this. You know, I have people in the coaching world or in the emotional world that still, you know, we like I said, it's a daily practice. This is a changing your life is a daily practice. It's and it doesn't go away. It's not like all of a sudden I'm like, I got it. We're good guys. I, I know everything from here. This point on. We're good. No, it's like every morning I got to I get to enroll myself in what I'm going to do in my life. And he recently said something that kind of triggered me. It was like, uh, um, I've given myself permission for this stage of my life to be messy. And I said. Okay. And then he, but then he told me about like some other things that are happening. And I was like, you know, I'm going to give you feedback. Sure. Yeah. Give yourself permission to be messy or, you know, that you're going to forgive yourself for making some, you know, some things, not mistakes. I, I try really not to be so def- like black and white and right or wrong. It's more like I, I try to say what's working or not, what's not working or what serves you best or what doesn't serve you well. That's it. Right. It's like, it's just kind of like, Focus on like, if you can focus on more of that and less of the right and wrong, then it becomes ownership, right? I only own what works for me and I I can only be responsible for what doesn't work. And I can only, you know, be responsible for what serves me best and serves others around me or vice versa, but right and wrong that there's no responsibility in that. That's too definite. Those are rules. And um, where we have rules, we have governing rules to keep us in some kind of civil order um, we still break them all the time, right? Like, like I, I drive your car, drive your car, and go above the speed limit. How many people are speeding <laughs> every day, right? How many people ran that red light every day? <laughs> literally didn't let the person. There's like, oh, there's a law where you know when pedestrians cross, and you're supposed to wait till their feet are on the don't other block the box. And don't watch, even I mean, block I the watch box. the moment they like the moment their feet have cleared my like the fender, people are gone. And well, so I was in New like, Orleans. I was in New Orleans this summer, and man, the driving there—I hadn't seen that in so long. It, it, I was like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> yeah, just right around the French Quarter. I'm like, man, people just get real close to driving cars, like real close, and then everybody's comfortable doing it. It was, it was, it was not. I should say maybe not comfortable, but I saw it everywhere. <laughs> I should say that I just saw it. Probably everywhere. comfortable, but uh, yeah, I know, that's so- what makes you think. It's kind of like then you think it's New Orleans. It's kind of like, oh wow, this town. Wow, this is yeah, quite the place. But anyway, so he's, you know, he had that messy statement he made. And I said, look, I just want to share with you feedback is that, um, you know, 
make it messy. Sure. Like give yourself permission to know that you're going to, you know, fail forward, fail fast a bit. Sure. What I encourage you to do is that while you're doing that is to be aware of the people around you and the impact you make, because it may be your mess to make, but you shouldn't like, you should be doing best not to make it messy for other people too. And that's where, you know, that takes some critical thinking. It takes some reflection and every day you're going to have to kind of look at that um, and make sure that you're staying in that place for yourself that, you know, because I think that's where we learn to grow is where am I in my own body? And then where am I with the people around me? Um, Cause energetically that, that's that energy stuff is we're all mm, vibrating at a rhythm uh, that is like when we're together, like when you're in a group setting with friends or maybe an intimate relationship or whatever, you're, you're kind of harmonizing that frequency, you're harmonizing that energy. And when you're not conscious of what your energy does to other people, like that's probably not going to serve you well either. Right. And if we talked about paying a debt in death, that one's going to come up. That one's going <laughs> to, that one's definitely going to be one of the mm, line 43. <laughs> You were not aware of your energy and you definitely disrupted other people's energies. <laughs> that was good. Unawareness of own energy. Yeah. That's a neck down. That's, yeah. that's well, because it goes <laughs> if you into the unrealistic uh, like requirements, you know, like, but it's, but it's real. It's just extremely, it's challenging. It's challenging. It's personal. It's very personal. It's, discipline. it's very personal. It's, very personal. it's what's going on in the inside of a person. Like what are we shadow doing? work, inter, inter, you know, reflection and, inter, you know, introspection, like all of these things, these practices, I follow some of the great philosophers, right? Like Marcus Aurelius and Plato and um, uh, Seneca. And uh, thank God for those guys that just sat around and thought all day, you know, just <laughs> watch things and thought all day. Cause they, they have some of the most brilliant like realizations about human behavior just yeah. in general, just watching people, watching themselves and going, yeah, I'm going to write about this. This doesn't work. Hopefully somebody someday reads this stuff that I'm talking about because I'm sitting around thinking about it. Right. And everybody else is kind of just doing. Now, here we go, man. You got kids. Your kids are probably listening to this at some point in their life. Hopefully. I bet you're a good dad. And I say that because you're paying attention to all this stuff. And in sometimes it doesn't feel like we can be good parents, but if you're paying attention to this stuff and you're like, yeah, this stuff matters in life, you're probably trying to put those qualities and values in, and instill them in your kids in some way, shape or form, right? To say, hey, yeah. and I'll use the example of the client. You say, just like, hey, yeah, you can do that, but you need to be aware of, how it impacts the people around you. Mm -hmm. Because if you're gonna, if you're gonna just say, yeah, I'm gonna be messy, well, are you leaving a bunch of messes for everybody else to pick up and not caring? And this is this is the parenting, man. It's it's lifelong learning, man. It's it's pretty cool. And yeah. and do you lecture your kids? <laughs> I lecture mine, dude, and they've gotten tired of it. And yeah. I gotta pull it back. I gotta pull it back, man. I had to pull it back big time. Cause I hit the wall of you're lecturing me now, dad. For sure. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm doing yeah. it. And they kind of become numb to it. Um, I would say, thank you for the acknowledgement. First of all, um, parenting isn't easy. And yeah, we of course have to be aware of ourselves um, when we're parenting, right? We got to really know that they are 
little sponges and they're soaking up all the things that you show them and present to them. So it's, it's two part one, holding them responsible. And then the other part is holding yourself responsible for that outcome, you know, like, cause they're, they're kind of just failing through it as well. Right. And so they were trying to figure it out with less information than we have less information. And that's what I got to try to remind myself. Cause when they present themselves to me, sometimes I'm kind of like, oh, you got a lot of information in that brain. You should be able to figure this stuff out. Or yeah. And I'm like, Oh no, yeah. you're only yeah. 11. Yeah. 10, seven. Mm-hmm. And that's, mm-hmm. what's wild, man. It's, it's wild. Man, I listen. I'm I've I've met forty year olds where I'm just like I have to remind myself. You only know what you know. That's my that's my thing. Usually is like you only know what you know. I understand, right? Like I understand. I can't make you know something you don't know or you're not aware of. My children, I'd say that for my eighteen year old, it was probably the lecturing part and a little bit messy, right? It was putting my expectations on him a lot. Um, first child has it hard. I was a first child, man. And my yeah. son, I can see it with my Same. son. And I, I've, yeah. So it, it's the parents are trying to figure it out for the first time. Yeah. And they're trying to do all the things that didn't work for them in their life. If anything, they're just making it worse. Right. Like you just like you just, said, loving one another is messy, man. That's yeah. the truth of it is yeah. because we, this is what I'm trying to get at uh, I, I, with it. I got another topic. This is where, um, I find that sometimes we get each other crossed up because we're trying to help each other. And yeah. just like you said, we're trying to do all these things for our kids and then, or for our spouse or for whoever, and we're trying to do something out of consideration and, and, and we get crossed up and all of a sudden we're in an argument or it turns into something The help that is there has disintegrated. And now it's like become a pit of some sort. Yeah. You know what I'm saying, yeah. man? And, yeah. and that's, that's, and I say that because when I'm, when I'm raising the sons and I'm lecturing and I'm trying to instill those values into them. The lectures obviously didn't work. I got to change, man. Got to change. Yeah, I, I, I've learned as I've learned with adults. <laughs> as with that's kids, even actually, harder. Kids are probably, I, think. I think that's even yeah, harder. They, they are because they're, they're so deep seated in their things, right? Adults, um, kids, it's it's different. They're little. They're little emotional beings more than anything. They're, they're that's the thing that's completely out of control is their emotions. They don't know how to feel and communicate their feelings. So it usually comes up and this is where you can make really solid foundational work in reaction versus response. And that's what I really practice with my kids is yeah, reaction man. response. Like, yeah, I hear uh, you're upset, right? I like I skipped your song on my on the, on the thing, right? Here's what doesn't work yelling at me about it or breaking down and crying like i get it you feel a certain way and you're allowed to feel how you feel right what i'd like you to do is express how you feel hey dad uh you i'm upset because you changed my song that's my favorite song and get to a place where you just communicate can you please you know or you know will you put the song back on or can we go back (coughs) and and like and what 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 what's painstakingly frustrating with as a as as a parent repetition right like and I'm oh, not a good yeah. I'm not a good fan of repetition <laughs> I hate doing the same thing twice but with kids repetition like just just same approach the same way consistently will get them enrolled in that that behavior a lot better than you know shaming or and shaming is not always a negative thing I know it is a negative like interpretation but shaming we do this. We do this like nothing. Shaming's like, I, I agree. It, it's yeah. It's, you know, it's, you make people feel wrong all the time in your life. It's that's so- that's that's different than just saying, yeah. hey, like you said, 
I get what you did just now. You you weren't thinking. You wanted to do what you want to do, but you negatively this happened to this person as a result, mm-hmm. and you saw it, and you didn't do anything about it. Yeah. You didn't even apologize. Yeah. That's why you need to make that's this. That's where you know what I'm saying that's the kind of stuff that we're talking about. That so I get what you're saying. I sometimes people can say shaming, and all of a sudden it's kind of like oh, don't make anybody feel shameful about anything. No, that's not yeah. the that's not the exact thing we're talking about. <coughs> Yeah. So, you know, with my approach with my kids, it's just, it's a lot of patience. It's a lot of, uh, I just observe. And that's like, that's what I was trying to say with the adults. It's the same process. I, I just listen more. <laughs> what I learned was like the biggest gift was listening to people. Just stop and listen. Keep going. Keep going. You feel heard? Because most times we don't feel heard as people. That's like the biggest thing we're actually upset about is that I don't feel heard. I don't feel acknowledged. And I will tell somebody, I acknowledge you. This is what I'm hearing. I'm hearing that you're very frustrated with X, Y, and Z, and it makes you feel this way. And they're like, and and I'm like, is that accurate? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, okay. Would you like some feedback? And would you like to know how I'm going to, or how I interpret that or what's not working in that? And that's just about like in beginning when we talked about creating that space or consent or permission with people, it's about enrolling them in the conversation, enrolling them because they, they felt heard. So if you knock off that in most relationships, like, and I'm, I'm going to tell all those people out there married and struggling in relationship right now, in this very much 70% divorce rate world that we're living in right now, tough, yeah. you just stopped and listened and then repeated back to your partner, what you heard, and then asked them how you can support them or give them feedback by permission. I guarantee you, you'd be in a much better place six months, a year from now, like, because you stopped and actually started to work with your partner versus forcing you, whatever you think down their throat or, or invalidating them, which is the worst right now. Now we're using a clinical term called gaslighting, which is not good by the way, because that's been very much reserved for the psychological community, like not shouldn't be thrown around like a hashtag and a meme, but it's essentially just invalidating somebody and not making them feel heard. Right. doesn't matter if they're right or wrong. doesn't matter if what they said. It was like, I saw you looking at that girl walking down the street or whatever. And uh, da, da, da. it's like, yeah, you completely saw that. You know, like if you could just validate that, you got to square one. Right. And then it's like, well, how did that make you feel? Made me feel insecure. Made me feel like you wanted her, da, 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 whatever. And it's like, okay, now we're making progress. I don't want to make you feel like that anymore. So we got to get to some place where you got to know a naturalistically. I'm a, I'm a dude. I'm a guy. And that just happens. Right. But I'm with you every day, every day, all day. This is what we're doing. Right. Um, But I will do more, be more consciously aware that that's how that makes you feel and work on it. That's the best I can tell you. Work on it. It's not even like it's like tomorrow. It's going to stop. That's not, that's not how that works. But now that I know how you feel about it. All right. Okay. And, And you can either, and then at that point, you also choose to make commitments in relationship, make those alignments with your partner. Like, Oh, all right. Well, I, 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 this, this relationship means so much to me that it's not that I'm going to stop doing that, like in that way, but I'm going to be more consciously aware of it and, you know, and, and work on it, like work on it. I don't know. You know, like, pay attention to it, care about it, care about care it. About it. That's the, when I hear work on it, that's what I, it's like, cause it's like, there's work we can do that. We don't like, you know what I mean? It's like there's work that we can do that. We don't like, right. Don't like going to the like, gym. So, you know, so, and, and that's that that's that's within ourselves too. There's work outside of us that we can do that we don't like, and there's work on the inside of us that we 
Oh, there might be un- undressed childhood traumas. There might be, the, you know, it's a learned behavior. Like maybe your your dad checked out every girl who walked down the street. Maybe he mentioned stuff. You blocked that stuff out and, and, and you became that eventually because it's a learned trait. Like you just, you can't make everything like we in relationships can't make everything about uh, like me. I can't make everything about me. I agree. Right? Like, so I can't take everything personal. I can't make it like, it's like you're doing that to hurt me purposely. It's more like, I get to tell you that it hurts me that you do that. And hopefully I've gotten to a place in my self-searching where I know where the root of that is, or maybe not, but at least if I've expressed it, then we're starting to build some common ground. So I say like in your intimate relationships, in your relationship with your kids, especially, I would say if you focused on at least the the ones you can practice the most, strangers are difficult, but (laughs) family, friends, relationships, your kids, you know, your community, and just focus on like how you can, be of service to others because that's probably the thing we don't do the most is being in service to others, like being in support of others. And that starts with just asking, how can I help you? How can I support you? How can I support you in that? You know, there's something that I want to bring into, I want to do it earlier, but in, and now it's perfect. And, and that's where parenting and cannabis, cannabis and relationships, cannabis and changing your mind. It's, it's, it's helped me getting out of the military. It's helped me. It's, been very beneficial and helpful mm-hmm. to do the some of the things that you're talking about and and that's to sit back and listen and it takes time right it's not like and it, it like it's not like a use this and all your problems are solved you'll be just fine yeah <laughs> you know what yeah. i mean that, no that's, that's not it it's it, no. and this is what we're this is where we, when you look at the whole uh everything that we've been talking about we're talking about lifelong learning journey transformation one day at a time essentially right in all areas of our lives in all areas of our life we're talking about parenting we're talking about career we're talking about all kinds of stuff but that's where that's where it's kind of <clears throat> interesting well being that, present yeah it's like being present and then and then but also being present and 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 i'll, I'll use that like you said react and respond it's kind of like when we're speaking to each other and and Kids, adults, it, it, it becomes a, a reaction sometimes. And cannabis has definitely helped me pull back the layers of those reactions and kind of go, okay, my roles have changed. Things are always changing. I kind of maybe made myself more stuck in this role than I should have been. And now I'm reacting from that place that I was never meant to stay in. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. And, um, it's uh it's fascinating man and my kids know i use cannabis and i talked to them about it and one of there was a there was a guy i did an episode with his name is kim saltarsky and he did uh, a couple documentaries he does uh production writing and and uh and video production and stuff and he's out of canada and one of them was called jack's garage and then one was called mend with dignity and they're about about 30 minutes each. And uh, my kids watched them and they watched them all the way through. Like, like no, dis- like no, they, they didn't, they didn't look for distractions. Right. Mm-hmm. So those were those, I used those couple of those things to help them with education pieces on, on the fact that, because even right now, I haven't taught them any of this stuff, but they're like, what's that? You know what I mean? With, with a certain, with a certain tone in their voice, I'm kind of like, huh. 
and and not always it's just you know when you kind of pick up on it and there are times it's kind of like what's that because yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll break it out and, and break it up in front of them and mm-hmm. and and let them see it. it's like yeah it smells good it's like guys this stuff and so the approach and the education on it is is big and uh it's it's important and and it's because it I mean, just like you said, we we're, we're touching on this. Neither one of us are medical professionals, but we obviously both have human being bodies and minds and we pay attention to them because we live in them. And we both have said, yeah, this is, there's something to this. You're more in tune with the scientific side of it than I am. Of course you, you, you do your thing. You're more in tune with that than I am, but um, with, with the knowledge base on that side and, uh, and it's beneficial. So yeah, I don't know. It's it's getting 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 to a point where you can have these conversations with people in your own family sometimes mm-hmm. and saying, hey, the stigma, the stigma on this plant and the stereotypes, you're gonna see it. You're definitely gonna see it. People are gonna try to sell it to make money. People are gonna sell those images to make money. Sure. But there's more to it than that. There's totally more to it than that. Yeah. So now I one more question for you, man. Mm-hmm. Being your, your dad was in the military. Like when were you were you were you using marijuana when you're a teenager? Like what or you said you didn't meet him until you were 18, right? Uh 13. 13? Okay. How did he respond to you and being using marijuana or, or anything like that? I didn't really publicize my marijuana uses when I was young. <laughs> I mean, like even now, even now as an adult, you know what I mean? Um it's accepted. It's yeah. Okay. resistance. Yeah. And mostly because like, I think what, what made it, um, a mutual ground is, um, my stepmom, his wife has MS. Okay. And so she's been in a journey of finding what works for her. And I know that CBD and CBD products has actually been, uh, you know, something that they, uh, welcomed and, um, have been learning about. And I think it, it's that plus, in my health journey, they saw me, you know, lose my weight and everything like that. And so we talked a lot about diet. We talked a lot about, you know, so I think that I've, um, I think I've earned some trust by doing, you know, so that's why it, when you talked about like, you know, G, like when you, when you mentioned the religious and, and Jesus and, and really that whole, like he had to embody and do those things. It's actually, that's like a core fundamental of life. You want to get people to, believe in you and be inspired by you do more don't say more do more like saying action words are that's where that action speaks louder than words proverb comes from because it's eight thousand percent true like if you talk all day and you say all the things you're going to do and um there's two things that are happening there chemically at your level uh, as a self level you're giving yourself small validations which is dopamine and serotonin kind of like bumps and you uh, so why there's like a lot of psychological, psychological studies that says don't share your goals with people because when you do, you celebrate them as small wins in your brain and you don't know it. And so it kills the momentum of that, that project or that goal. And then the other thing um, is when you uh, share with others or, or when you do more than you say, people then become mm, more inspired that they could do it themselves. Say that last one again, man. Like when you, when you do more than you say, like when you're actually in action all the time, like you're being, uh, who is it? Uh, Deepak Chopra, right? Like if you're being who you need to be to do the things you need to do to have the things that you want in your life, be do have people will fall in line with that because they see it. It's real. You can touch it and feel it. You know, 
Like I've made a slight mistake of selling some people that I'm really interested in the DeLorean electric car. And I haven't been really very interested in electric cars and new cars. I have older cars. I like gas powered machines. Um, Did you say a DeLorean electric? Yeah, they, they debuted it like a few weeks ago. No um, kidding. Yeah, 2024. And I said, I'm going to own that car. Right. Like that's my that's my that's my mission. Um, but I'm going to stop talking about it <laughs> and then I'm going to create all the, the capital and things to, to have it. Not because I want the flashy car or whatever is because like I'm a total nerd and I love Back to the Future and like the idea of having a new DeLorean of the electric car movement. Um, that fascinates me. It's that it's it's definitely more about self. Like I could care less about pulling up to the club in my DeLorean and flipping the doors open. Like I, I don't care about that. Right. Like I, I care about that. Um, it's something I want, like a toy, like. Like when I wanted the Ninja Turtle like sewer thing toy when I was like you know thirteen years old like that's it looks dope so um, <laughs> I had them too when I was a kid but wait, but if you talk about it a lot right and you don't really do it then you know like I told people a long time when I was young like my favorite car was you know BMW it's Beamer uh, Beamer and um, I, it wasn't one of the first cars I owned but sure enough I have a 540i that sits in my garage it's one of the rare ones uh, the v8 that's packed in the sedan and m series and uh that's my baby but <clears throat> um it's not because of the status it's because that's what I wanted to drive right like it's the car I wanted and so I made it less about my story for a long time like people asked me when I was like 17 I was like yeah I want to be bmw blah 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 but then I shut up <laughs> and worked my ass off and got the car I wanted. Eventually it fell into my life, you know, because um, I, I just started doing things to attract the things that I, I wanted in my life. And I think that's where, um, you know, the point of just doing the things you do will inspire others because they'll just see it. It's real. You made it happen. And that's way more inspiring than telling people that what you're going to do or talking about it all the time. That doesn't doesn't really produce anything you know right on man right on yeah. well this is when we close this out man i know we went we went over we got a little bit of a late start but i appreciate you i appreciate your time john because i know i know you are busy man i know you're yeah. busy this is the conversation cannabis and christianity oh wait you know what john let me ask you this man hmm. what do you got going on that uh people that you want to share with folks coming on for the remainder of 2022 and and uh maybe into 2023 if you want to share anything there Okay. Um, yeah, right now, uh, projects for the mindset Genesis are, so um, it's about, it's probably like three things. So one, that creative agency stuff I talked about earlier, we're still doing that. Um, I am, but I'm evolving that a bit. I'm very picky and selective about clients, more or less that, like I said, it's people don't want to spend money and do some really courageous things. And so I'm, I'm actually throttling off that bit. But if you have a creative project, um, I'm even more so like really great at just counseling or giving people strategic, you know, information about that. And I, I probably don't charge as much as I could for that kind of work, but I'm open to whatever idea. So if you're a crazy business out there, a business owner, somebody that's like stuck in a rut or wants to like think outside the box, um, I love doing masterminds with people. And I think that's where that's going to fall in. I'm going to be having leaning heavily more into the coaching aspect. Um, and, and coaching is like on all levels. doesn't matter if you're just a regular person. I generally do more like for businesses or coaches or like leadership um, people, like entrepreneurs or people that are like really trying to make big successes in their life. Um, however, I work with like anybody. And I think that's going to be more of the focus of the mindset justice coming forward. I'm redoing the website right now. So you'll see that coming in the next month or so to kind of really express what we're, where we're going to be going. And then the last part is so I work with a group of men 
Um, I work a lot in the masculine and feminine relationships as I've um, started to progress into my coaching. And one of the things we did over the last 18 months, like actually from the pandemic, is was um, in my own life, I was finding, uh, finding a little bit of a disconnect with brotherhood and, and men relationships. And I was finding there's a lot of competition, animosity, like insecurities, all these things that were coming up. And maybe because I was raised by a single mother and kind of like don't have that attachment style to that male bravado that way. I started to see the um, what didn't make sense. And so talking with a buddy that's also in the, in the EQ world, and then we got a couple other guys, and we put on our first uh, men's only retreat um, in May. And we, and it's not like a walk in the park. We had to bike pack, or we had them backpack into um, an area in the South Basin of Tahoe. Uh, it was You brought in weather. some Eagle Scout training, man. You brought some was, Eagle Scout training into it. Well, the, you know, it started, it started was, because because i was an eagle scout like because i was on the mountains all the time i just remember i have the the fondest memories of just sitting around a campfire and sharing stories and it's the, the one thing that men don't do anymore we do not sit around a campfire we don't sit around and share our stories and talk and listen in absolute admiration it's always like now we're trying to one-up each other we're trying to like challenge or compete instead of just sharing stories. I mean, our, our human civilization is founded off of storytelling, right? So like we don't do something that we, that, that is one of the core fundamentals of how we've progressed as a species. And I, I got very turned off by that whole scenario, but you know, it's one thing to talk about it. It's another thing to try to make some change. And so we set up a whole curriculum starts on a Thursday night, goes all the way until Sunday um, and you know, there's, there's nonstop uh, like exercises and growth periods and, and a lot of stuff baked into this. And so we pulled off our full, first successful one this last spring. We're continuing those. We're also uh, developing an advanced one. Um, so that's more going to be more extreme and high adventure. And then also we're working on two other like improvements. One is, um, like, um, a year in review, a year forward type of uh, retreat, which is more or less, um, I learned a, a very, really great discipline uh, years back, which was taking a weekend for yourself before the new year, going and isolating yourself, whether it be an Airbnb and somewhere you're nice, you want to go, go pamper yourself, you know, get the hot tub, the spa weekend or whatever, but, but alone and work through your year, you know, financially, goals wise, everything that you did, and then set the goals for the next year. I think that without a trajectory, you are flying blind. And so one of the things I, I want to bring the gift of, and it's right now it's men based because I'm really working on men relationships. I think that um, we've lost a bit of our understanding of the masculine and our feminine um, understanding of ourselves. And so like, I'm, I'm going with what I know first. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, uh, but it's, it'll be welcome to females uh, uh, and women uh, definitely soon, or even probably even the first one. I'm really not, like, it's not that um, constricted with that part of it. Um, but I'm working on that for next year as well, which will be a um, retreat for that process, which, like I said, is a year out, year out, year in. And then um, we're also uh, working with combining a relationship. So that's, that's another thing that's moving in the background is like doing these retreats um for self-development and so, doing so it with some really you're working on developing a one for the relationships too right yeah that's yeah. cool man yeah both where we bring them together and apart in the same weekend and really um work through those i've been through some couples type retreats and where there's like single people in the room and there's like couples in the room and i've honestly watched it make or break relationships i've watched people like literally walk out of that thing and divorce each other like 
Yeah. I don't know if I want to be it's that real. extreme, but it's real. Like when you really start facing the truths and, and start sharing and, and realizing what's not working and then other people outside are observing and they share what's not working. Like, Oh boy, that's intense stuff right there, man. I mean, that that's, that's intense. Yeah. And uh, so I, I, I'm, I, I think that it goes wherever it goes anyways on its own. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm working on. So what people can expect for the mindset justice, there'll definitely be a part of that on there. Um, as far as like the information about the retreats and, and how to get involved in that mission. And then of course, like the coaching. And I think that's it. You know, I, like I said, I have a day job. I work in a tech company and um, you know, that, that pays the bills and keeps me going in my innovation sense, but that's the stuff for the mindset Genesis, some really cool creative and um, you know, self-development type stuff that's on the horizon. So. Like I said, man, you're busy. Thank you very much, John. And what's a website for people can we get to you at, man? Uh, so the, the mindset Genesis.com. Um, like I said, it's a little bit under construction right now, but contact there. And, but if anything, just follow me on social. Usually it's like a underscore uh, mindset Genesis, uh, like on Twitter and TikTok. I make some uh, cool videos and Instagram and stuff like that. And feel free to DM me. Right on, right on. Well, this is the Conversation Cannabis and Christianity podcast. Our special guest is the founder of the Mindset Genesis, John Bailey. Thank you all very much for your time. Love you. Here we go.